Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Shark Pod. We are live from my uh, my Greystone Studios, aka my box room in Greystones, and we've got uh, Mark Baker out there in Glenageary, as usual. Mark Baker, how's it going? I'm doing good, Luke. How are you? Fucking, oh, sorry, I'm doing really well. I was gonna <laughs> where that came from. We try to keep it friendly, family friendly on this uh, uh, this podcast here. Paddy Galloway is our uh, guest out there. How's it going, Paddy? I'm going great. It's it's great to be here. Looking forward to it. Paddy, where are you based? I'm from Carlo. You're from Carlo, and from Carlo to the world, uh, YouTuber by trade, um, YouTube consultant by, I guess, uh, profession. Um, how would you describe yourself to the listeners out there in the Shark Nation? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a YouTuber first. I've um, been a creator. I'm a very creative person. I've always been really interested in making videos. Um, started in my childhood. I started at about 11, 10, 11. I started filming videos myself. Always been interested in the actual filming the the photography that side of things but what i noticed over time is my real aptitude and skill was in the actual growing and the audience um scaling an audience using tactics to grow understanding social media algorithms and social media audiences and how to leverage them to build a business sell products um, build a big media business whatever it be um and essentially over the last four or five years i've realized that's a really valuable skill in today's world so i've been and transitioning to myself from just a creator to actually a, a YouTube consultant who works with multiple other creators. And in the last two years, I've worked with multiple 1 million plus creators, some of the biggest creators in the world on their strategy and their monetization and everything in between. I I love this. It's just like, it's one of those things where, you know, I got to like, work in my corporate job all the time and I've got all these reports to do and stuff like that. But <laughs> it's like, the, it, there's a, the good thing about sales is that you do have a little bit of creativity when you're you know, coming up with deals and all that type of stuff. But I do love making content. Obviously, I love the the, the podcasting. Um, something I find very difficult is to get any traction on YouTube whatsoever. Do you like it right? So it'd be great to have a chat with you about that. Um, but when you say some of the, the biggest YouTube uh, names, I was on your uh, on your channel there before we started doing a little bit of research. And some of the some of the, the, the people that you're working with are the absolute biggest names. Like, Mark, have you ever heard of Mr. Beast? My kids were only talking about him today. They said he he gave away a million euros or a million dollars or something. Oh, they had they waffled on about him for about five minutes. Yeah. I don't. They're they're bit they're they're seven and nine. So just to give you context, big gamers that type of thing, Roblox, Minecraft, and um, but all they watch ninety percent of what they watch is YouTube. It's crazy, and I've got it like that as well. So I got a smart TV, and I don't I hate terrestrial TV so much, like. Dahi O'Shea mm. in that, just, you know, talking almost about nothing. It's not nothing, but it's almost nothing. And I have to sit, you know, without, without YouTube, you have to kind of just let them figure out what to show you. Do you know what I mean? Why is it like, you know, so anyway, I'm, I'm on YouTube. Uh, this, the experience isn't, you know, as good as it could be yet, but I think um, that's the that's the future for sure. And the great thing is like uh, people like Paddy and people like uh, Mr. Beast can get on there <laughs> and there's no gatekeepers anymore. You can just get on and get cracking like yeah. so when you started making videos first did you uh, upload them to to youtube uh was that the the first kind of platform that you started using yeah and that, that's the the kind of gatekeeper phrase and way of putting things it's really i think it's really relevant because 
I guess so. You picture myself like a ten-year-old, kind of normal background, um, don't have any family in in business or media or TV or whatever. So if I looked at TV or if I looked at filming or photography, and I thought, how can I break into those industries? How could I actually, you know, make a movie? You know, you need your production assistants, you need your cameras, all these expensive equipment. But you looked at YouTube, and you saw the biggest people on YouTube at the time, which is kind of two thousand five, two thousand six, and they were filming videos that you could just look at and say, I could do that. Um, so for me, it was kind of I was filming videos and I was I was already doing that myself anyway. And then YouTube kind of sprung up and was growing, and I saw lots of people doing it. And I was like, wow, you know, never really think about business or you know making a living doing it. Just purely, I'd love to put something out to the world that other people can consume and enjoy and laugh at or enjoy or get education from whatever. And um, so yeah, when I was like 10, 11, I started uploading to YouTube. And I wasn't one of those child prodigies on YouTube that blow up, which probably was to my benefit because a lot of those people don't turn out too well, especially the people that started so so young. Um, but I was pretty bad at the start, didn't understand anything, didn't understand how to tell a good story, didn't understand how to film properly. But the passion was there. I, I just really loved the idea of building something myself, creating it, and then showing it to the world. And this kind of the passions remained then for what is it, 12, 12 or 13 years. I'm still loving it every day. That's amazing. So, like, it, so you can make you can make something, and we get a, we get a little buzz about that with the podcast as well. Like, we look at the stats and you see that you know it was a, a this, whatever episode's a big hit in Malaysia this week or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what's going on there? Um, well, it, it, it's it's amazing how you can make something in Ireland now and you suck in eyeballs or uh, I was going to say earballs, but eardrums rather um, from anywhere in the world. Uh, to listen to you. it's such an amazing thing and at a cost point that you know 50 years ago you couldn't like get uh so how many subscribers do you have you always quarter of a million or something imagine tapping into that type of audience yeah you, you can't buy it like it's crazy it's you crazy. have to earn that you know um and so w- with that uh, with your kind of audience now what's the are they mostly people who are creators who are looking for tips on how to produce great uh, videos and stuff like that? Who do you think your kind of audience that you're making videos for? Yeah, it's primarily like when I, when I looked at, um, so before I created my channel, which is about YouTube advice and kind of breaking down case studies, I've been doing YouTube for a really long time. So I had a lot of kind of experience and I built some of the channels in the past that had, had, you know, built livings for myself and actually been successful and being quite large in size so when I started that channel, I looked around and I looked at um, a lot of the other YouTube advice channels and they were good, but they were very heavily focused at complete beginners. So there were things like, you know, how to set up a channel, top five YouTube tips, those sort of things. And from the start, like, you know, these things you usually stumble into. It's not all just complete foresight, but over time, I kind of thought like there's surely an underserved market for actual kind of YouTubers themselves who really, you know, they get the basics, but they want something a bit deeper and they want to go into more depth. But at the same time, maybe there's a type of content that fits lots of different audiences. So I was like, what does a video look like that it doesn't matter if you've got 100 subscribers or 100 million, it's still interesting and educational to you. And that's where I came up with the, the kind of concept and the ideas for, for my videos. I really did it for myself first. Um, I saw the videos that I, I thought I could make and I was like, these would be just so beneficial for me to study and me to create. So surely there's going to be someone else out there that likes them too. I never knew it'd be this many people, but I kind of had that idea at the start. Um, so I define them as typically like, I sometimes call them like the YouTube middle class, but I, I don't. I think that's too narrow of a term because there is complete beginners. There's people who don't even have any intention of starting a YouTube channel. They just find the the ideas really interesting. The video stories really interesting. And then like I know firsthand that there's 
YouTubers like 7 million, 20 million, 50 million, 70 million. I don't know about 100 million. Maybe there is. You watch the videos as well um, and comment regularly and connect with me on social media too. So it's a, it's a great thing. And it's, it's also obviously good from the business point of view as well, because the new creators typically there's a big, there's a big industry for people selling products to new creators and, and whatever. And it's never really interested me as much because it's difficult being a new creator, which is, is obvious. And that's why there is so much products and stuff around for them. Um, but when you look at bigger YouTubers who already, you know, they're making money. If you can provide them a service that essentially can come in and say, my goal here is to make more money <laughs> to get more views and it's not about money like to get more views to spread the impact to get the videos out to more people um i could just tell it would be very valuable and that's kind of uh, where it all stemmed from i love the idea of serving that kind of middle the middle ground um i think generally in business there's a huge part there in loads of different industries i was thinking about this that like if you if you want to learn a language or something there's loads and loads of beginner stuff it's almost all beginner stuff and then there's a big jump to you know being able to speak the language but there's this huge chasm in the middle that i, I found as well when i was kind of learning stuff like that and I, like, that was just one example but there's there's even yeah. we do it in hubspot we have like crazy advanced onboarding for you know giant companies and then loads loads of content for you know people just getting started with the product but there's like most of our all of our customers already have the product and are using it on a daily basis they almost get no content yeah. you know because they're already in the door yeah. do you know what i mean so yeah it's uh it's really interesting okay and so from uh from mark i don't know if you've seen some of these videos but uh, there's a, a huge amount of analysis and it's almost like when i was thinking about this um, because I didn't know exactly what your business model was, but I was thinking, you know what, this is a this is like a shop window for you as well to say I know exactly how they're doing this. Do you know what I mean? Is that is that was that part of the motivation as well to kind of show off? I am the guy who knows this, like you know. Yeah, yeah, like because because like I mean, it is what I'm really passionate about anyway. So if you ask me to make videos on like top seven tips for beginners on YouTube, I kind of be a bit eh, like I'm I'm not really that interested in it. Like it's just the basic things. What I love doing is going deeper. Um, and I do that myself anyway, even if I wasn't making a living or, or even if it was just for my own channel in a different niche and I wanted to learn from other channels, I do the same thing. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a way to show off. It is a great kind of way to show that I can, um, walk the talk as well. I mean, like, there's this phrase, like that people use sometimes, like I lead people to a treasure I cannot possess. And I think that's very common for like the kind of online marketing world of, you know, how to get rich or how to grow a, a YouTube channel or how to do these things. And then you actually look at the person doing it and that's how they're making their money. They're not making their money through a channel. Whereas for me, I mean, my latest videos got, I think like 960,000 views in four weeks or three and a half weeks or something. And that's like the perfect proof point if I know what I'm talking about. Whereas I can, you know, everything I say in the videos, I typically apply in the videos myself and do myself and execute. Yeah. Um, and I've actually had people come up to me and said, you know, like big channels that might be making multiple millions per year. They say to me, the reason I booked in with you for consulting or the reason I did a deal with you is because it's clear you know how to do it yourself and you're not just kind of showing people ways that could work you're actually showing things that, that do work and you, you show them yourselves it's it's such an interesting business as well so it's a, like we uh like we talked to recently like so what happens on the on the shark pot is mark don't we get into kind of we get into a groove of something maybe it's because it's what me and mark are reading about at a, at a time and then there'll be a whole tranche of you know uh, investment inv advice and people on or digital marketers it seems to go in kind of waves and we've had a lot of digital marketers on um over the last say uh, two months or so um and their business model is you know they're organizing a, 
like well content as well but mostly kind of uh, advertising and stuff like that um but your model is consulting as in people can book time with you or do you work on projects for them or what's the is there like a long-term relationship you have with these guys or you're just like get on the phone stop doing that do this you know yeah i I do both because i think i think both can be really beneficial especially like for for people who just want like some questions answered you know, I, I offer like one-off calls where people can just book in for one hour for a fee. That's cool. Um, and they're, they're great for beginners and, and also for people that are just like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. Can you just look at what I'm doing and have a quick overview? But really the majority of my business comes from repeat customers and people that I work with over the long term. So okay. like some people I'll do like weekly calls with where every week we just kind of assess the upcoming videos. And instead of just me saying lots of big picture stuff and like, you know, you should do this and this, it's actually me applying things with them okay. um, and scaling together, like actually trying to provide results for them and show them in real time how we're improving things. Um, and then I do like retainer deals with, you know, the biggest clients. So like going back to that thing again about the kind of small YouTuber versus middle-class and bigger career, like the small YouTuber, you know, you could, you could sell them like a, a $500 course that might help them. Um, but for a bigger YouTuber, I could sell them a 10K a month retainer package that, you know, in real time with them, we could work towards and show the results. And, you know, if, if something costs a, a channel that's maybe making, you know, a million a year or 10 million a year or something, if it makes them 20K a month and it costs 10K a month, obviously it's a good deal. So, um, yeah, I kind of cater to different projects. I also do like audits and stuff where I'll like a, a channel would book in and it's kind of just a big research and report into what they're doing just like how a kind of big four accounting firm would do it for like a, a business looking to streamline their accounting or maybe move country or something i'll just like say get on a call with a, a big channel they're like we're trying to get better retention in our videos which is how much people actually stay on the video what, how long they stay for which is a huge metric for youtube success and we me and my team will just spend 10 to 20 hours researching that going through and then doing a report for them and presenting it to them um, so yeah, I, I do, I do a lot. I, um, I don't just focus on one area. I try to just have it flexible to who I'm working with. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's multiple prongs. Like there's lots of different places we look at. Do you know what is, is so, you wouldn't think so, but I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of companies over the years, um, doing, uh, software in, I don't know, 20 countries or something like that. And what you're talking about there of uh, kind of getting results for people in a monetary uh, way um, is really rare, actually, Mark. What do you think? Like, a lot of the companies are like, yeah, we'll do it. But like, there's no, there's no guarantee. Or it's not like it, there's not going to be a tangible outcome. I mean, yeah, we'll go in yeah. and we'll audit your IT. You know? No promises. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all very, I love mm. those businesses to be like, yeah, give me 10, I'll give you 20. I'll, I'll take mm. that bet all day. Yeah. You know? I think that's, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and even, I don't know, like, there's, there's some one of my uh, uh, the people that I'm working with now. They they really kind of they get involved with the company. They're consultants as well. They get involved with the company and they're like, okay, um, you know, this is the value of the company. If we can change some stuff in here and make the company twice as valuable, we get half of what the twice what the what the uplift is. Uh, but you don't have to pay us for anything. It might be years. And I'm like, that's some that's some balls, like you know. Mm, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I have the appetite for that, Mark. What do you think? <laughs> How do I have? a million questions i'm fascinated with, with youtube and, and what you do uh, i'll try condense them for me like youtube is just this absolute massive jungle and there's so many different things going on like where do you where does ireland 
fit into this. Everybody's looking at, at the States and, and the UK and my wife would watch a lot of like the family vloggers and even the detectives, the, the, you know, I don't know what the web sleuths or whatever you call them. Uh, and the kids are watching people play Roblox and, and Minecraft. And a lot of it is American. I know there is some big Irish people as well. Where, where does Ireland fit into it? Are we, are we behind the curve? Are we getting involved? And then where do you fit into the Irish kind of famous yeah. YouTubers, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, like a lot of Irish things, we are kind of behind the curve. And I love the country, but, you know, it's like, you know, rural broadband or, you know, a lot of a lot of technical advancements were quite often a few years behind America. Um, not in terms of like, I think we've got amazing talent in this country and we've got a lot of uh, good, I mean, there's a lot of great companies based in Dublin, of course, people like HubSpot. Um, but I do think that the average kind of Irish person we, we kind of do follow how things trend in bigger countries purely because we're a small, small country. So when I think of Ireland and I think of Ireland viewership, YouTube is actually, it's, it's big in Ireland, obviously like most Irish people of, of my age or, or whatever are probably watching YouTube, but compared to how it's penetrated in, you know, North America, how it's penetrated in um, some of the Asian markets and, and even in central Europe, it's, it pales in comparison, honestly. And that's just straight from data. Like even, I mean, it's not the best, most accurate representation, but a channel like mine, the viewership I get is probably a good idea of how different countries are, are viewing YouTube as a career. And I get very little viewership from Ireland. Um, you know, it's still like, I think in the lifetime of my channel, it might have been seen by like 150,000 Irish people or something, which might say, seem like a lot of people. And it is, but compare that to the viewership I get in the UK, the United States, it's, it's tiny. Um, which in some ways is a good thing because even at my size, I think if I was in certain places in America, I'd probably get recognized there, you know, a lot, but I could just be completely anonymous in Ireland and no one, no one really knows who I am. There's no like um, attention towards me, which I quite like because that's the kind of person I am. Um, but yeah, like Ar Ireland definitely doesn't have as big of a scene. We've had some bigger Irish YouTubers, but if you look at their audiences, like people like Jack Septic guy, he's, I think he's the biggest Irish YouTuber ever. Huge, huge audience. But if you if you were to break down his demographic and his analytics, you know, it's probably like 0.2% of views are from Ireland or something. I don't have access to his analytics. So I don't know for sure, but it would be very small. Um, yep. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Obviously, we're a small country, but I do think things sometimes take a little bit longer to catch on here. Um, and also, just in terms of the creator side of things, maybe it's a symptom of Irish culture. Maybe it's a symptom of how we view these things. But... I definitely think people in Ireland are a bit more hesitant to start something like that. And to, to you know, like you, you said before we, we went on about, you know, so many people are just doing nothing. Like so many people just don't actually kind of make the step and try to put themselves out there a little bit. Um, and that's why you like having those people on the podcast. Um, yeah. And I, I definitely relate to that. Like even, I mean, even say five years ago, um, I was five or six years ago. I can't even remember. I think it's six, six years ago. I was leaving secondary school and at the time I had another channel that had like 60 or 70 K and it was bringing in revenue as well. Like it was making me some, some decent um, money. But if I was to say to, you know, family, friends, anyone, teachers that I was thinking of maybe taking some time to do YouTube full time, they'd think it was crazy. Whereas if you flash forward kind of five, six years, if you were saying someone in the class of 2022 in, in sixth year, if they were, had like a YouTube channel that had 70K, maybe now we'd be more open to saying, yeah, you should give that a try. You know what? That could be a good career path because there's plenty of people like that don't have any subscribers or any views or any proof of making money that still want to take the time to, to give it a try. But, it, you know, 
I didn't even, when I was in school, I didn't even share that I had a YouTube channel. I never even told any friends. It wasn't until after school that people realized they had all these things going on in the background. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't really like, you know, it wasn't, it's not always just because Ireland is kind of a bit close minded, but like, you know, when, when you're doing the thing, it can kind of be a bit intimidating to share that with lots of other people. You think they might kind of, you know, think it's stupid or whatever, but Things are changing, but it definitely, we're always like a few years behind America in those things, I think. But Paddy, think about how far ahead you are, Paddy, now, because if I asked my kids recently what they both want to be when they grow up, one of them wants to be an animator, like an artist, that's what she's into, but she wants to have her own YouTube channel doing that. And she actually does already. And she put together something and showed me, a, like emailed me a link of this YouTube. Like, I, send, I think I sent it to Luke. It's like a time lapse of her drawing this figure, figure and like overlooped with like, overlaid with like a sound a kind of chilled music and then overlaid again with like the scribble sound of scribbles um she just went ahead and did it on her own that's a nine-year-old right and then my seven-year-old flat out wants to be a youtuber <laughs> isn't that interesting like yeah yeah that, that is the most common um career wish for i think I, I saw some study which was like interviewing um primary school kids in America and it was like something like 50% of them want to be YouTubers and obviously that's uh, (laughs) you know that's kind of by the time they're 18 maybe a lot of them will change their minds but like when I was 15 I wanted to play for Man United Um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to play for Man United or I wanted to be in like a you know a grunge rock band or something Um, and yeah things have definitely changed and and the one thing I would say about YouTube is um, and and to your son and anyone else like of, of that age it's a whole industry and so many people that want to be YouTubers, maybe they won't all become YouTubers, but some of them will become people that work behind the scenes for YouTubers, people who maybe thumbnail designers, maybe you said your, your daughter was into animation, maybe animators on YouTube channels, um, which I think if the passion is there for creating content, it's like such a, such a fun and rewarding industry to be in. People are desperate for content as well. Like I've, I've got into this thing on YouTube where I, I did a cleanup of like anything that was anyway negative or I can get, I can get into the, the Fox News stuff if I want to, even if I don't agree with it. I, I enjoy them shouting, do you know what I mean? A little bit, but it's, it's bad for the, you know, the, the morale overall. So I clean up everything. Now, uh, YouTube doesn't, doesn't really know what to make of me now, but it's suggesting just stuff, you know, there's almost nothing for me to watch, but I actually prefer watching, or like if I go for a walk, I'll put on YouTube on my phone and put it in my pocket, do you know, because it's easier to search for than yeah. long form um, podcasts. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it's, I think things are, are changing there, but the, it's interesting that the, when you were leaving school and that was only a few years ago, really five years ago, that it was outside of the matrix. That's the problem. Your matrix, you're in Carlo, yeah. you're doing your leaving cert, man. That's uh, you got to go to Deloitte. Or something yeah. for some reason. I know Mark yeah. did actually. Mark did go to Deloitte, but I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not having a go, Mark. But you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but my point is. Uh, but it's not- also sorry, Luke. It's also like a, a vehicle in itself for for whatever your chosen. Uh, I don't want to say profession, but like career choice may be. Say I was after college. I tried to be an artist full time, right before I became an accountant, and I was selling great in in. in in galleries for thousands living the dream but but it was real like i had to slog away at painting these paintings and then i'd sell it and then it was gone and that was before i did prints and stuff but if i had a youtube channel that would have opened up a whole different line of well one advertising for myself you know and then maybe some sort of income stream um but that wasn't there at the time now in fairness you know 15 years ago whatever but um it can be a vehicle then for whatever you're 
chosen career is. And there's one guy actually, yeah. uh, Paddy, on the uh, that you do a, a breakdown of on, and it's kind of what Mark's talking about there, where he's doing all types of money making schemes on top of just the YouTube stuff. Um, his name is Graham Stefan. Yeah, there I am. like he, like I actually really like his content, but uh, his his voice really annoys me. I don't, I don't I can't, it's, hard, it's hard for me to get get past him. Mark, I'm sure you've seen him. He's kind of like, I would say, like a I don't know, he's a young guy, young um, uh, real estate investor. He makes kind of investing uh, uh, videos, but uh, uh, Paddy does a great breakdown of how this guy makes money. And once one Paddy, when you're when you actually go through exactly what his plan is, it becomes very obvious. Then I was watching a video of him afterwards. I'm like, I know what you're doing here. Paddy told me what you're doing. Yeah. You know, um, but maybe describe what that guy does for to generate money more. Like he's built a business around it, the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like, there's a there's this kind of false narrative that to to be a YouTuber and to make money on YouTube, you have to like be some extroverted college jock who runs around with a camera acting the Egypt. but really like whatever whatever niche or interest you're in there's a developing industry on youtube for it so like in his case he was really into real estate investing um and he was one of the first channels to start posting videos about real estate investing where he'd break down you know what he was doing how he was flipping how he was doing different things and then over time it just it just developed into a thing where at the start it was really good for his actual real estate career because it's like, wow, I, you know, I actually talk about real estate. It gets his name out there. People seem to see him as like an expert because he's actually building in public, I think is a really good way of, of, of phrasing it. Yeah. Um, but then over time, like, because when you think about it, that niche, real estate investing, finance, stock investing, it's one of the most lucrative and, and cash intensive industries in the world. So if you think about an entertainment channel, if they do a, a brand deal, they might do a brand deal with like a, a mobile app for like a video game or something, or maybe like a clothes company. And like their cost of acquisition per customer is going to be very low. It might be like two or $3. So the amount they pay for a YouTube video isn't going to be as high, but if something like Wealthfront or, you know, a big investing company or life insurance or any of these like companies that would circle people who are interested in real estate investing and stuff like that, their cost of acquisition could be like a hundred dollars. So for someone like Graham, he gets good viewership, but he's got like 8 million views a month, which is a lot. But when you compare 8 million views a month to, let's say, other niches, 8 million views a month in like entertainment could be maybe like 20 or 30K a month, which still sounds like a lot. But for him, 8 million views a month could be like 200 grand a month. And that's just because he's leveraged himself in this really high value niche. And he's just built on, you know, all these different little systems on top of it. And the beautiful thing about it is the actual marketing is free content for people. So his videos kind of serve as marketing and they serve as like the thing that brings people into the channel and into his kind of whole ecosystem. And no one can really begrudge that. Like he's putting out free content. So if you don't want to buy anything, yeah. don't buy it. It's free content. He's still, you're still in his, in his debt kind of, cause he's giving you all this free stuff. Um, and the same with myself, like, you know, you don't have to, and I, I don't recommend everyone does like if, you know, I, I typically target people who are making quite a bit of money on YouTube, maybe seven, eight figures. So, you know, I'm not selling to people who are just at the beginning or maybe they're just scraping money together. I, I still do stuff with them, but typically it's the, it's the bigger client. Um, and I just say, you know, if you can't afford this or if you, if you don't think it's right for you, just watch my videos. It's free advice. And that's the beautiful thing about YouTube. No one's paying for it. Um, the advertisers are paying for it. You know, they're the ones that, that pay for the, the, the content and the viewer gets to see it for free. So it's a, it's a great model. It's funny. I heard um, somebody talk about Gary V today saying that he had an idea of having a restaurant 
but char- but not charging for the food, but having advertisers pay him. Provide that, yeah, like... I don't know how we would work it, but it was just an idea just based on that kind of thing. It's the same thing, though, same yeah. model. Like, because if you said to someone, I don't know, 50 years ago that you're going to start making, like, movies and put them on the internet and the customer can just watch it for free. They don't have to pay for like a cable for TV or a TV fee, or if they've got like any kind of smart device, they can watch it. That probably would have sounded a bit crazy. Like who's paying for the production? Who's paying for this? But really it's, you know, it's all, it's all the advertisers on top of things. And the even better thing is if you don't want to see advertisements, you can pay YouTube 11 99 a month. Um, and then you don't see any advertisements, you know, and that, that still contributes to the creator. In fact, the creators make even more money from um, people who've got YouTube premium because they get like a small revenue split. Okay. I have so many like Luke we're going to be jumping in here for questions but my, I have a question here if say you have somebody say somebody like Paddy in, in sixth year coming out now is obsessed with YouTube content creation really goes deep on it you know on their own um, is learning as much as they can wants to make a career of it what, what are some kind of hard numbers that they'd have to kind of re- realise that in order to actually make a, a living and not not like not, I'm not talking like being rich or anything yet, yeah. but like for somebody to actually not have to have another job, what kind of viewership look, views? I know it'll vary depend, depending on the industry, but what are kind of some yeah. hard numbers there? Like, oh, And Mark, yeah. maybe just to put even more uh, final point, like what's for you coming out of college, what do you need to make a living, Mark? What do you think? Like a proper, where you can actually kind of rent in Ireland? <laughs> um, Probably like a, a, a trainee, let's say like a trainee professional is probably on about 30 grand, but like, that's a, usually like most people probably need about I don't know when you're leaving college it does vary you kind of have yeah. to do that tiered yeah. thing yeah. but like anywhere from you see I see graduates coming out anywhere from 30 to 40 now yeah yeah and actually something I had to bring up or didn't bring up earlier was um when I graduated college I actually had um a job lined up at Accenture as like a tech analyst and you know it was kind of around that ballpark like 30 to 40 grand uh, graduate salary um and it's funny because that was like something I looked at in 2019, 2020. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if I could make more on YouTube. And at the time I was, I wasn't, I didn't have the consulting business. I didn't have a lot of other things. I just was making money on the channel. Um, and it was kind of like a, a bit of a leap of faith, but it's, it's really, really worked out obviously. But in terms of like what people um, need to be looking at in terms of hard numbers, like, so I, I hate to just kind of say that again and just say it's so dependent on niche, but it is because if someone's making like funny reaction videos to popular events, they need a lot of views. Whereas if someone's like making investment advice videos for Irish people or something, they might only need a few thousand views. Like I know, I know people that make property investing videos for the UK, for the UK audience. And he might have like 20 K subscribers and get like three or 4,000 views a video. And that's enough. Like that would cover the 35 grand. He could, he could build enough of a business just on that with 20 K subscribers and a few thousand views a video. Um, but then if you wanted to, let's say, make a vlog channel or reacting to funny events or reacting to the TikTok videos or whatever, you more likely need kind of around a million views a month. Um, if you're getting a million views a month, that's probably around three or four K from ad revenue. Um, so that's a good living, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, for I'd say for non high value niches, you want a million views a month. Um, subscriber size really doesn't matter. I would just set that as your ballpark number. Um, but then yeah, for niche channels, I mean, you can, you can build an incredible career, um, with like a hundred K views a month, which really isn't, isn't that high. Like it's, you know, maybe it's like putting out a few videos 
maybe it's putting out like a few videos a week and getting a thousand views a video or something. Um, and then added to your older library, you might be getting to that hundred K uh, views a month. I know, I know for my channel, when I, when I took that or when I had that job offer at Accenture, what I said to myself was if, if I can average 10,000 views a video and I make one to two videos a month combined with the other income streams I knew I could build and combined with the potential for a consulting business as well, I knew that was enough to, to pay for, to, to cover that salary. And, you know, fast forward two years and I average like 700 K views a video. So if you kind of set, start out with that baseline of saying, if I can get 10 K, I can make a living. Then everything past that point is just, <laughs> it's yeah. just gain. It's just um, scale to, to add to it. Yeah. But I think that's great to talk about because that is, that first step is actually what gets somebody in, in. And once you're in, well, then you're in and then you can, yeah. you know, it's like starting any business. It's, yeah. it's the first bit. That's the hardest bit. So, like, me and Marco was talking yeah. about this as well. Like if you actually did something full time, what the impact that you could make, you know, like I, I work in a, I work full time as well, but I, I put a lot of hours into what I do and I get paid really well and all that good stuff. Um, and it, it, the, the problem is that it is when you take the essential job, um, or, you know, insert quote unquote, good job after college, a few things happen. One, uh, you start to get addicted to that paycheck Two, you think that that's that you're doing well when you may not be doing well you're not you're only talking to people that are around you so you don't know what's happening yeah. inside you get institutionalized and three you start to get competitive with other guys in the thing and you're like fuck i want to be a manager fuck this you know yeah and, it's exactly what they want <laughs> yeah exactly so you start to yeah. behave like the the kind of rats that they've built the cage for you know um, yeah and it's just human nature i think and then you start saying the only kind of if you're an essential the only uh you know baller that you know has a you know a, a secondhand mercedes and he's 42 um and that's what you're going for do you know what I mean? um yeah my, my point is you really didn't have too much uh people who are in ireland that were doing you know that type of those that type of money in youtube you had to kind of like i said take a, a leap of faith and give it a lash like and yeah that's, that's exactly it Paddy, to use the shark pod as a, as a, maybe a little bit of a template here, a little bit of an example. Now we, we produce our podcasts like this, but we're recording this on zoom. We just throw it onto YouTube. Now, again, we're not trying to be YouTubers, but like we think the content we have is really valuable, including this. Where do you think that most people, where do you, where do you imagine without going in depth and, and looking at the, 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 the YouTube uh, channel that we have, um, where, where's, where's the kind of areas that usually people go, go wrong or is there any kind of quick things you can do to kind of just get you that step up? Luke sharing it here now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in your case, so like the straight away thing to me is you're creating your thumbnails in a branded fashion. So that's good for everyone who knows your podcast, but it's terrible for anyone who doesn't. Because if you, if, I mean, just think about it this way, if, if one of those um, episodes came across your feed, uh, the ones in the top row there, mm. and let's just say you'd never interacted with your podcast before you didn't know the podcast. It's not the most interesting thing you could do. It's branded. It's almost a bit alienating because if you don't know what the brand is, you're kind of like, okay, who's this? Like, it's a kind of just a very blue font with episode numbers over it. And like, even the, the idea of an episode number, if I see episode 86, like, why would I just randomly kick the 86th episode of a podcast if I have no idea about the podcast previously? But you know what so, we're doing, Paddy? We're, we're automatically assuming, like, we're acting like a Joe Rogan podcast. That's what he does. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But we're, yeah. we're not, uh, you know, God knows how many. 
because because I did um I did I did some so the only I actually I, I get quite a lot of podcast requests which is is an interesting thing about being a YouTuber even although when I look at my subscriber size I think it's tiny compared to the people I work with but you know I, I guess it's it's relatively big in the grand scheme of things and I get like a lot of a lot of people coming on and saying would you would you come on my podcast or whatever and I just sort of say to myself I'll I'll jump on um, Irish podcasts because obviously I love Irish people I'm Irish <laughs> it makes sense. Um, I was on a few other Irish podcasts over the last month or two. And the advice I said was, you know, if I gave that, gave the episode to them and I said, okay, you know, make that thumbnail title, they would have done a really heavily branded thumbnail and they would have started the title even like episode, just like you're doing there, shark pod number 73. And just by design, like why would someone who doesn't know the shark pod click on that shark pod number 73? (laughs) It's just, it's just, I don't know what the shark pod is. It's irrelevant. And the episode number again is irrelevant. Do I have to invest Uh, 76? episodes to get involved here is that the to get to <laughs> yeah, 77 exactly yeah scroll down luke just there is and i know this isn't great for the for the listeners but there is we did attempt at one stage we, we actually gave it a little bit of a a focus and we start doing look at that one there with graham kennedy kenny um so we yeah, kind of did fair. little snippets and you can see already the views are actually you know five times what the other ones are um are we along the, the right lines doing that a bit more? Yeah, like so. I would I would think I would think much more about the actual story that you can tr- like. So, for example, episode twenty six, Thomas Arnold, YouTube entrepreneurship with Thomas Arnold. Um, that's very vague. Like, what what am I actually getting from this video? Whereas, if if for example, I think this is the title I gave the other guy, um, Gary Fox, who you might know, um, that I jumped on on the podcast with. It was um like how Paddy Galloway built his YouTube empire. I know it sounds a bit cringy, but suddenly there's like a, a story there. And then the, the the image was just me maybe holding up like a silver play button from YouTube. And it, it said something like a billion views in 2021 or something, something like that. Cause that's when my clients want to add them all together. That's how much views they pull um, per year. And I guess, I guess the way to think about it is like, how can you tell more stories with them? So even like, so I saw like a few people there. So I saw him, um, uh, I can't, there's a, a he's a, I actually was on a call with him recently myself. Um, I'm trying to think of his name now. Big big real estate developer from oh. South Dublin. Gavin J. Um, Gavin J. Yeah. There. No, I don't think I can't I can't think of his name now. Was he on our podcast? Um, yeah, it was. I just saw him there a minute ago when I was when I looked at the episode. I think I can't remember. Uh, no, it's, it's Gavin. Joe, yeah, Joe. Duffy, Gavin, or no, Joe. Um, Joe. Oh, Joe. Uh, <laughs> Joe Doyle. Joe Doyle. One of my faves. Let me just look here. <laughs> I can't remember the name. I don't think. Oh no! Yeah, it was. It was Gavin J. Gallagher. Yeah, that yeah. was that was it. Was sorry, my bad. Um, like I mean, in this case, so Shark Pod number seventy six, Celtic Celtic Tiger property tales, and the you know that that bit's cut off, which in, in itself is a lesson. Your titles are a bit too long. If pits are if the very like that's way too long. That's about. I mean, that's like ninety characters. I can tell by eye. I mean, you want to be doing titles that are like fifty characters or less, so it's just very easy to read and, and click right away. So, I mean, this guy, so I, I talked to this guy and he's an incredible story. Yeah. I think I remember him telling me like, you know, how much he, how much his portfolio was in the Celtic Tiger and how much it crashed. And I'm sure that like he mentioned stuff like that in the, in the interview. So it's yeah. almost like you're making like, almost like a, a headline for like the Irish Times, with t- the Celtic Tiger property tales yeah. and the mindset of the comeback. And that's a great title for like, a, you know, an article a, in a an newspaper. Op-ed. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. But I would I would go like how this real estate investor 
lost 17 million in the crash. Now, I don't know if he lost 17 million. I don't want to throw Gavin under the bus, I'm sure. I have no idea about the actual numbers. But let's just say how Gavin J. Gallagher lost 17 million in the great crash or you know, how this Irish real estate developer lost it all. Something like that is just much more of a story yeah. that I'm going to click on and know right away. Yeah. And the, you know, these guys, Dara Jordan and Eric uh, Gen... That's a very hard to Genetics. second name. Genetics. That's a great name, actually. Wow. Yeah. Um, He's the like, tech guy as well. You would go- know that by that name. All right. Yeah, those yeah. guys. Those guys. Um, I've seen some of this stuff before. They're they're young guys. Uh, I think they're younger than me, and they've got an agency that's going to New York. They're doing really well. So like, instead of Shark Pod number seventy five breaking America, which again is kind of like a movie title as opposed to an interesting YouTube title, what if it's something more like how these two twenty year olds from Galway built a you know million dollar agency or you know yeah. whatever the the fact of the, the agency size is. Yeah. How, how these two kids from Galway did this. That's much more interesting. I guess, like, imagine my channel. So you, you guys have I've seen my channel. Yeah. Imagine if every video on my channel was like, you know, YouTube Masterclass episode four, Beluga, <laughs> you know, the growth, the growth of this YouTuber or, you know, Mr. Beast from North Carolina to the world's biggest YouTuber. Like, it sounds like an interesting title, but really, if you break that down and say, okay, how about how Mr. Beast built his business empire? Yeah. It's like a story, it, get, it gets your attention, you want to click straight, straight away. And then that's added to, uh, that's complemented with the thumbnail. Whereas your thumbnails here, they're extremely text heavy. I like to tell all my clients to limit text to three to four words. Okay. And you have on average here, like kind of 10 to 20 words. So it's just so much, <laughs> like if you, if you look at that thumbnail, it takes you almost like, <laughs> yeah. almost like 10 seconds just to process it. Mm. You don't have 10 seconds on YouTube. You've got a second. You've, you've got a second to show the viewer that the video is worth clicking. So I use text, but on my channel, if you see any of the videos that come up, there's like three words, three or four words. And they're really engaging words, like the smartest entrepreneur on YouTube or the man who broke YouTube or the man who beat YouTube's algorithm. Like if you see those words, it, again, it's complementing the title and it makes you understand the video right away and click as opposed to episode 75, Dara Jordan and Eric, founders, Graph and Digital, Breaking America from Galway. It's it's too branded. So yeah. I think you're just coming at it from the wrong angle. Um, it's- but... I see that a lot with podcasts. I think they, yeah. I think people use a lot of podcasters. It's all about Spotify and stuff like that. And you, you kind of use YouTube as an afterthought. And it, yeah. And it shouldn't be because the work is actually being done quite passively here. The recording's being done vi- on video. So I think why not do it properly? What we're doing there, Mark, is we almost treat it like it's a, uh, like it's a little library for our own mm-hmm. use. We're not even, yeah. we're not thinking about the, the user at all. Do you like it right? So. Mm. I well, I, you know what, to be honest, Paddy, I thought like, this is just really hard. Um, <laughs> that's why I didn't put any effort into it. Like, yeah. are, are we kidding ourselves anyway, if, if we actually check all those kind of things that you said and then expect any, any kind of big, decent numbers, you know, maybe, maybe the, the whole, maybe the podcast, you know, it's a kind of Irish entrepreneurs, Irish people doing interesting things. Maybe that's never going to kick off on YouTube, do you know? I mean, there is that side of things, but like, it depends what kickoff is. If you're asking me, do, do we think we can get 10,000 or 50,000 views a video? No. But in terms of the guests you have on, I think that's kind of natural. So you've got really interesting guests. And the point of the podcast is not to like get on loads of influencers who has, have huge followings that can get views for the podcast. The point of it is to bring on interesting people. Yeah. But even with that said, like I, I saw some of those episodes and when I thought of those titles in my head, I'd click on them. I'm probably a perfect target demographic. I'm an Irish entrepreneur. Mm. I'm in my twenties. I 
like listen to lots of um, business podcasts. And to be honest, I don't think I've watched your or listened to your podcast before because I consume most of my podcasts on YouTube. And if I was recommended any of those videos, I wouldn't click them because they're too hard to understand the value proposition in the video. So I think, I mean, it depends on how you define, but I think like right there, that Dara Jordan and Eric uh, podcast that had like one view. I think if that was titled in the way that I'd said it and thumbnailed in the way that I'd said it, where it was, you know, how these two kids from Galway or how these 22 year olds from Galway built a, a global marketing agency. And it was an interesting title with le- or thumbnail with less text. The two of those guys and maybe like a graph or, or maybe like some text that was just very simple, like from zero to, you know, 10 K a month or wh- whatever, whatever revenue yeah. they're doing. Um, like straight away, I'm like, okay, now I'm interested. Now I might actually click it. And I think, you know, a thousand views of videos, probably very realistic. I mean, even the, the podcast I went on recently, I went on another one called the kickstart garage with two, two great ads. Um, and it was a great experience. And I looked at their back catalog and again, they were viewing it as a library of like, yeah. this is where we upload like almost like these kind of web series videos or like, you know, like almost like a Netflix way of arranging episodes, yeah. but people never consume content like that on YouTube. YouTube is not engineered to, to promote episodic content. That's why I, I really advise people away from doing like part one, part two, part three, part four. Like it does work on occasion, but in general, people don't consume content like that and usually don't recommend content like that. Okay. So in their case, I went into, like for their episode, I gave them the kind of suggestion of what to do for me. And again, they, they did it more like how Paddy Galloway did this as opposed to like episode four, Paddy Galloway. You know, it's more like how Paddy Galloway built this or did this. And as far as I, I know, I, I haven't checked it, but I think that podcast, like maybe their average was like, 20 or 30 views an episode. And I think that one might have like four or 500. So it, it depends. Like, so that is obviously a big increase. And maybe there is some, some side of that where people might search my name because I'm already on YouTube anyway. Yeah. But I feel like if it was with a bad episode, a bad title and a bad thumbnail, it just wouldn't got clicks even if it did get searched. It's such an so, like, yeah. something we need to think. Like, I think that we need to treat them completely different. Cause like, I like, there's something that I know my, my, uh, my brother-in-law, Mark likes things to be neat. Let me tell you. Right. And I think that the I think when Mark scrolls through Spotify and he sees every episode neatly laid out with the with the same thing. Like <laughs> I think I think that you get a little bit of a, a buzz from that. And to divorce that completely, to go on to a YouTube because it's a different beast altogether. Um it, and if you want to be successful there, you're gonna have to we're gonna have to change the way we do things. Joe? Mm. Um if you do the yeah. same things for two years and it you know that part. see like the the problem is like we we do youtube or we do uh podcasting like like you said uh, patty because we love to talk to interesting people about interesting stuff that's mainly why we do it and we we grow our listenership through all the podcast stuff kind of gradually every month goes up and up and up right and yeah. all that great stuff um but it's not the same way with uh youtube at all like it's like <laughs> some subscribers one month none the other month you know it's uh yeah yeah, so we need to and, and the inverse of that, the, the kind of the funny thing about that is YouTube is probably the platform where you get the best organic reach. You know, so like I talk a lot with people who stream on Twitch, like do live stream on Twitch, whether they're playing a game or whatever. Yeah. Twitch has no real discoverability. Like if you're if you're starting from zero on Twitch, you're gonna remain on zero unless you can bring an audience from somewhere else. They don't have really have a search algorithm, they don't have a recommendation algorithm, it's just about like people bring in platform, bring in an audience from somewhere else and bring it to Twitch or else being like one of the first people to cover a new game or something. Um, and I think, I, I do think there's something similar with podcasts where like, sure, you can get some reach in Spotify like in the charts and stuff, but really it's, it's probably not a game-changing reach. But, you know, let's just say if 
if you put this episode out on YouTube and you title and thumbnail right right and it gets a thousand views, maybe out of those a thousand views is 50 new viewers. Yeah. Probably very difficult to see that sort of conversion to new viewers with any other, other like median. Um, so it's the hardest, but it's probably the most rewarding um, as well. Like I know, like I, could, I, I watch a few podcasts in certain areas I'm interested in and I nearly always found the podcast through a clip on YouTube. Um, you know, and then I'd watch on Spotify where maybe you might convert better in terms of monetarily or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's the hardest, but it's definitely the, the most reward with it if you if you do it right. I like this idea, and I think that that's a it's like a top of funnel activity for us for the for the podcast as well. Discoverability with podcasts is tough, especially at the, mm. the level that we do, where it's kind of almost through word of mouth. I would say well, yeah. sometimes we get yeah. a you know a big spike. And I'm like, what happened there? That's that's a anyway. But Mark, what are you going to say? Yeah, well, look, we're not, we're, look, the, the, the aim wasn't to kind of break YouTube properly, yeah. but like we, we genuinely believe we have great interviews, really interesting people. And there's so much value there, especially for the kind of target audience that, that we had in mind when we started. Um, so it, the feedback we get, and I know it's biased because they're, they're obviously, they're not, they're not going to reach out to us to say it's shy, but they're reaching out and saying like, it's like really made a difference to people listening to it's it, And it is, it's not, look, it's not me. Well, it's not me anyway. Um, it's, it is the guests, you know? So um, I just think there's so much value there. It's, it's a shame that we don't actually try to push it out to the right people, you know? So that's, to, there's to, the motivation. To, to flip the, the switch here, because I know we're running out of time here. Uh, time's flying by. We could pick a brain online here on the YouTubes. But listen, what's so say if I'm, I'm starting out, say if you wanted to get the, the quickest way to, to you know, say if someone is going to do this full time. Yeah, yeah, they of course. Pick, pick the pick a finance niche if they're into Well, I suppose they have to kind of be into it. <laughs> you know, they yeah. Just, but what's the, what was the quickest way to, if I had six months and you're like, okay, six months, Luke can't earn money anywhere else. He has to be a YouTuber full time. What's the, what do I do? Well, are you starting from zero? From zero, I just walked in. I said, "Patty, let's do it." I'll, I'm your so guinea pig here. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll... yeah. I mean, the, the first thing I'd say is you're <laughs> you put some very hard confinements on yourself because um, I don't, obviously you're aware of that with that that question because the nature of YouTube for me is it is a kind of thing I view in like three years. Like I, if you if you want to build a career on YouTube. I think you need to think three years out um, and like your first year is typically mistakes and learning. Um, like, it's like, I'm sure you might've seen that podcast that about, you know, if you make more than three or four episodes of a podcast, you're like in the top 1% because so many people just make an episode and just, and just quit. There, there's a very big uh, similarity with YouTube where if you actually stick with it over a long enough period of time, first of all, you're, you're kind of in a category of people that there isn't much of, um, and you just get better naturally with time and you can learn things and pick things up. So really like if you were to say six months, I mean, you're going to have to do like a Hail Mary. So I would just say, find a way to leverage a really big topic, whether that's, you know, maybe a really big YouTuber in your space, if there's like a way to make a video about them or on them, or maybe it's like a really big, you know, maybe like the new Apple computers are out. Maybe there's a way to like get, like one of the first videos out on a new Apple computer when it's first released. And uh, maybe there's like a huge news trending event being the first person to cover it. Like it's difficult though, because there's, you know, there's a thousand other channels competing for that same slot as well. So really, I think if it's, if it's six months, you just have to just take big swings, try to make really big video ideas and just put out as much content as you can. Um, like my, my strategy is usually put out as much content as you possibly can. So go for the, the quantity approach. 
And then once you've made maybe a hundred videos, then start thinking about the quality approach. Like how can I, maybe instead of posting three videos a week, how can I post one video and spend two weeks editing it and getting it perfect? Because naturally you're going to have more chance of actually breaking through into the audience. If you know, you put that much extra effort into a video. So, I mean, in my case, people quite often point to my channel. Um, and like some of my first videos have like 500,000 views, like they blew up very early. But what you don't really see with my channel was the fact that I, I started YouTube when I was 11 and I made a thousand five hundred or something videos before I ever even started that channel. And I made about, I had about 40 channels that literally never got past a thousand subscribers that I couldn't get off the ground. And all that kind of added up to the channel where I am now, where it kind of might look like it happened very quickly. Like I, I grew really fast or I got to, so I'm on like 280K subscribers with like 25 videos or 30 videos or something. And that might seem like this kind of hack or growth hack, but really, it's just because I understood YouTube and I understood the content people want to make. And if you actually watch the videos, um, the language I'm using, everything is done in a way to hook the viewer, to get more retention and to make more interesting videos that get recommended more. So honestly, the six month confinement is difficult. I think you, you just need to take a big swing. You need to like look for a real trending topic and try to leverage it. But I would much rather take someone and say, think in three years, maybe the first first year is all about quantity so just getting stuff out there not thinking about growth like literally not even looking at your growth just getting quantity out there maybe year two is more like learning the trade so like okay you've got lots of content out there let's tone it back a little bit and let's focus on how can we make better thumbnails how can we study other youtubers maybe it's a great time to invest in some like <laughs> consulting maybe not for me maybe for someone else but maybe it's a great time to invest in like you know youtube products youtube help just surround yourself with YouTube advice and, and YouTube content and study other creators in your niche and what they're doing. Maybe that's year two. And then year three, I would see that as the year. Okay, let's take everything we're learning, all the quality, all the all, all the quantity, I mean, all the like the, the videos you've put in the past, what you've learned from every time, and let's make really solid, strong videos that are different and, and unlike anything else in the niche. Um, and it's quite rare that I see someone adapt that approach to YouTube and, and, you know, mixed with a bit of talent because, you know, the worst, the, the person who trains the hardest in soccer isn't always the best. And they don't always go on to be a, a pro, but you know, if you, if you take that long-term approach and you do have some talent and entertainment value, or it doesn't have to be entertainment, maybe it's education, maybe it's another kind of value add to the audience. Um, it's very rare to see someone not get traction if they invest that much time and effort. That's brilliant. And I think there's going to be somebody listening to this podcast that will be like, okay, I, I've got, you know, there's somebody in Ireland that's doing this. I've made a career of this. This is what I always wanted to do. And I think, you know, it's one of those episodes that'll have an impact on somebody, hopefully. And uh, there is one more question before we let you go. Would you prefer a T-shirt uh, with the Shark Pocket logo or a mug? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, th I think a T-shirt. I'd love a T-shirt. We'll get that out to you after this. Paddy, thanks so much for coming on the, the Shark Pod today. We didn't get a chance to ask all the questions that we wanted to, but... Uh, we wish it continued to success a really really interesting thing and i think that uh i think mark's kids might be the next youtubers they've got they've got some time they got two, <laughs> yeah. they got two years on you patty so you know watch out when you start. i better be careful yeah no listen it's absolute pleasure really really enjoyable i love your style of being very conversational not just uh interrogation so that's yeah. uh that's that's really nice i, I love it um, some people call it unprofessional yeah. but whatever you know it's like <laughs> thanks buddy if uh if you have like um if you have other questions, I mean, let's not root out part two in the future sometime. Absolutely. Let's do a let's do a remodel of our YouTube and be like, hey, Patty, what do you think about this? You know, what I mean? that might be good. You can uh, just uh, yeah, sounds ne great. Next time, don't hold back. That's what we want. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Patty. Bye. Thanks, Patty. Thank Cheers. Thanks, Will.